Welcome to Mission Driven, a conversation about how startups leverage their social mission as competitive advantage. Mission Driven is hosted by Better Ventures, a seed stage fund in Oakland, California, backing entrepreneurs using technology to build a better world. You can find us on the web at better.vc and on Twitter at Better Ventures. I'm Rick Moss, and I'll be your host. I'm here today with Connor Landgraf from Echo. That's E-K-O, Echo Health. So the story behind this is that the patient came to the emergency room. They had had a heart attack about two weeks previously. The patient was complaining of really significant shortness of breath, and the emergency room physician immediately had to make a series of triages to evaluate this. This Mm -hmm. patient is obviously high risk. They've had a heart attack recently. And so he placed our device on the patient's chest, listened to the sound and heard a really unique sound coming out of the patient's chest that was both shocking and and a little bit scary to him as a clinician. Welcome, Connor. Thanks for having me, Rick. Glad to be here. All right. So we met back in 2013. Better Ventures made a small investment in Echo, one of your very first checks, one of probably your first institutional check, right? Very first money, actually. Uh, So we've been working together for quite some time. It's been an amazing journey, and I'm excited to talk more about it and and share that experience with everyone. So why don't you start with how this all got started and what it is? Yeah, absolutely. So Echo is a med tech company building machine learning technologies to help monitor and track heart function Mm -hmm. using heart sounds and ECG. The company got started out of a a class at Berkeley, actually, back in the day. It was a med device development class. Yeah. And we were learning about how physicians use medical technology. And one of the things that physicians told us was they don't know how to use stethoscopes. Really? We had a couple of physicians <laughs> actually tell us that they only use the stethoscope because the patient expects them to. Oh, right. So they're almost like faking it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And okay. that was a little mind-blowing to us. Wow. Uh, and we felt like there had to be a better way. So we embarked on a a long journey to to try to transform how physicians use sound in diagnosing heart conditions. Okay, got it. And when you first came in, you had like a little 3D printed thing that you had mocked up and it was kind of working. We did uh, not have yeah. much traction early on, but right, yeah. you guys were big believers and we appreciate that. Yeah, but talk about its hardware and its software and uh, it inter- interfaces with uh, electronic health systems. Yep. Yeah. So it's it's a digital stethoscope type device that's able to capture heart sounds and lung sounds from the patient. We also capture ECG, which is the electrical impulse of the heart muscle itself. Mm -hmm. We have software that runs on mobile phones or on computers to help actually capture that data, save it to the patient's charts. And then we have machine learning layers that help us Mm -hmm. parse that and interpret it for clinicians. And the end goal is that we want to give every clinician a a supercharged diagnostic ability that they can get in in seconds at the patient's Mm -hmm. bedside. Mm -hmm. We want to enable precision bedside cardiovascular screening, and then also enable remote monitoring for patients at home. So they are using machine learning to supercharge every clinician's diagnostic abilities. Mm-hmm. And is it fair to say that loosely speaking, it's Shazam for heartbeat? That's okay. that's a great way to describe it. Yeah. yeah. You know, automated pattern recognition for, yeah. for heart sounds and yeah. lung sounds. Yeah. And so if it's not being monitored at home, the typical thing is a doctor is examining you and they're using this to sort of get deep insights into what's going on in their heart that they might not be able to just magically know with their own expertise. Right. If you think of what the stethoscope is, it's a, some rubber tubes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The physician listens to the sound and then does pattern matching right. using their brains and, right. and our brains are pretty fallible. Yeah. So yeah. you're bringing a huge computer in the cloud into that equation. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I understand you brought a show and tell here or a listen and tell, as it were. <laughs> we have some recordings that, that we can play and uh, you can hear different pathologies and, and different diseases in the sound. Okay, so set, set it up. What it, What is this and why is it worth listening to here? Yeah, so this is a sound uh, that was actually shared to us by an emergency medicine physician. So the story behind this is that the patient came to the emergency room. They had had a heart attack about two weeks previously. The patient was complaining of really significant shortness of breath, and the emergency room physician immediately had to make a series of triages to evaluate this. This mm -hmm. patient is obviously high risk. They've had a heart attack recently. And so he placed our device on the patient's chest, listened to the sound, and heard a really unique sound coming out of the patient's chest that was both shocking and, and a little bit scary to him as a clinician. So mm -hmm. I'll play the sound here. song would this be <laughs> hopefully hopefully staying alive okay staying alive <laughs> exactly uh. <laughs> so you know that sound if you were just listening to it it sounds like someone's heart beating but encoded within that is a very telling and actually dangerous pattern for this patient so in some cases if you've had a really severe heart attack you can have a condition called papillary muscle rupture and mm -hmm. it basically means that so much tissue has died in the heart itself because of the heart attack that the flaps of the valves have actually become detached from mm -hmm. the heart wall. Whoa. And as a result, then the heart is no longer able to efficiently pump blood. Hmm. And this is pretty typically an emergency, emergency scenario. This mm -hmm. patient needs to go into surgery within hours, if not immediately, right. uh, to be able to repair the heart valve. Right. And if you don't recognize the sound of it, that patient could continue to deteriorate mm -hmm. and, and there's mortality as high as 50% within mm -hmm. like 24 hours mm -hmm. for these patients. It's wow. extremely, it's a crisis. You really need to respond. And so in this case, the person's yeah. life was saved and, and yeah. echo, echo played a role. Yeah. In this case, the physician saw it, was able to use our AI to be able to recognize mm -hmm. that this was a very abnormal heart sound. And then they responded and were able to rush this patient to surgery. Mm -hmm. But it's those, it's a very, you know, it's, it's encoded in the sound. It's very mm -hmm. subtle. Mm -hmm. And if the clinician doesn't have a lot of confidence in their diagnostic abilities, mm -hmm. if they haven't heard that mm -hmm. pattern matching of that sound before, uh, they could miss it. And that, right. could, that could mean death for that patient. Yeah. And so our goal is to apply the, the knowledge of tens of thousands of previously recorded heart sounds mm -hmm and automate that training as it were process. exactly so, yeah. win a machine learning model so it's it's like the doctor that's listened to more hearts than any any person could possibly listen to exactly great that's that's a perfect example so let's shift gears a little bit um i want to talk about how your social mission as a company is something you you're able to leverage for competitive advantage maybe starting with team do you feel you've been able to leverage your social mission in hiring and how yeah, you know, it's hard to hire for talent in the healthcare industry and in the medical device industry. And we had a particularly hard time finding talent because of just the number of areas in which we needed to be really capable as a company, that we needed to be experts in hardware, in software, in machine learning, in FDA regulation for medical mm -hmm. devices. Mm -hmm. And we couldn't slip up on any of those things. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to build a good product. And so that was, you know, we had to find a way to have that be a core competency for the company. And so when we were hiring for some of our engineering execs and engineering senior talent, we found just over and over and over again that finding the mix of all three of those 
capabilities was something that was brutally hard to do. So mm -hmm. when we were hiring for yeah, it's expensive and hard, especially in the Bay Area. And you're hiring artificial intelligence, data scientists. You're hiring full stack engineers, engineering managers. These people don't come cheap in the Bay Area. They do not. Yeah. yeah. And so we found overall in hiring, everyone is at the company for a reason beyond just a paycheck and mm -hmm. beyond just the impact that they can have. But they're invested because of what we're trying to do and what the mission of the company is in terms mm -hmm. of just changing how we diagnose and treat cardiovascular mm -hmm. disease. And one of our really senior hires, we had looked at dozens and dozens of resumes, hadn't found anything that we were happy with, had spoken to numerous candidates and couldn't, for whatever reason, either from skills or just from compensation, mm -hmm. couldn't make a compelling offer. And I was checking my LinkedIn and I got a LinkedIn message from an exec at a, at a top San Francisco tech company. Mm -hmm. And this individual just said, hey, you're working on a really interesting problem. I've thought about this before. Love to just get coffee and chat. Just shoot the breeze. Right. Perfect. About, about what you're working on. And I was like, well, I, I don't know what he wants, but this is exciting. So let's let's grab coffee. Sat down in San Francisco and we basically dove into a, an hour-long conversation about using ECG and heart sounds mm -hmm. uh, in diagnosing cardiovascular mm -hmm. diseases and what that could mean for the healthcare system. No mention of anything else, but we basically just spent an hour understanding our mission, communicating what we were trying to accomplish as mm -hmm. a company, why we were really excited about enabling physicians to have better confidence in their diagnostic abilities. Mm -hmm. And uh, end of the conversation, and there wasn't a clear next step. It was just a, you know, great to meet you. And, and yeah. it's fun to be working on similar problems. Right. And do you think this person was excited by the technical challenge or by the impact on people's lives or, or both, or maybe the combination of those two or? Definitely the combination of those yeah. two. I think, you know, every engineer wants to throw themselves at a brutally challenging, hairy, complex mm -hmm. problem. And then they want to know that if they solve that problem, then everyone's better because of it. That it's the world, meaningful. Yeah. yeah, that the world is a better place because yeah. they spent the all-nighters trying right. to crack the nut and right. solve the problem. Right. And so um, you could see this person's gears turning that this is one of those tough, tough challenges that would have a big payoff. Yeah. And, and that they felt like there was the opportunity to cycle quickly, that we could mm -hmm. produce, we could create innovation, we could build machine learning technology, and then we could get it out into the physician's hands quickly. Mm -hmm. And then we could learn from it and, and figure out how it was being used and how it was impacting patients. Mm -hmm. And then we could iterate on it mm -hmm. as well, that we could learn what the shortcomings were and how we could improve it. And so that I think resonated a lot mm -hmm. with this candidate. And so what happened? Did you get him? Yeah, we, we had to get him yeah. <laughs> yeah. after that conversation. And I ended up getting a follow-up email afterwards and said, hey, you know, I'm interested. I'd love to come on. Yeah. Uh, is there a role for me? And yeah. he hadn't seen the job posting. I uh, didn't know that we were actually actively hiring for that role. Yeah. And we were just like, of course, you're our yeah. ideal candidate in yeah. this situation. It meant taking a haircut to some extent and yeah. some parts of compensation and, you know, moving from a large, stable tech company to a mm -hmm. volatile, growing startup, uh, which comes with loads of challenges and loads of opportunities. But they ended up joining us and then becoming just a, a key part of our engineering mm -hmm. team and part of our tech team, which we were just thrilled about. And to be clear, if you didn't have a social mission or like a really compelling impact on people's lives, you wouldn't have been able to land this person. There's no way that we would have been able to yeah. hire them yeah. had it not been a interesting problem that 
impacted people's lives yeah. in a meaningful way yeah. uh, and that they could feel that viscerally. Yeah. And, and do you think this is just a random outlier? I think that everyone in the tech industry, especially now that the tech industry has received a bad name. Silicon Valley is not the darling that it was five or 10 years ago. I think that we're all feeling the aftershocks of mm-hmm. the sometimes scary implications of technology. And so mm-hmm. everyone, especially employees at, at tech companies, mm-hmm. really wants to feel like they're making an impact and yeah. that they're doing good. That thing the that drew them in in the first place. Yeah, that they're not just making money. Yeah. They're not just making company. money for ad yeah. clicks, yeah. but that they're actually making yeah. the world a better place. Yeah. So if you're sitting down with a founder who's hiring and it's a key role and they're frustrated like you were and having a hard time yeah. finding candidates, they are like you, mission-driven. What do you tell them to do? Spend more time focusing on the mission, making sure that the candidate viscerally feels mm-hmm. why you're doing this mm-hmm. and why you think it's an important problem and make sure that they feel that at an emotional and personal level, mm-hmm. first and fo- foremost, mm-hmm. versus trying to you know evaluate their tech or convince them on compensation. Mm-hmm. I think that you know we're, we're all going to look for ways to say yes if we think that the company is aligned with what we want to do. Right. And that the compensation at the end of the day is secondary to do I want to work at this company because right. they're doing something important. Any other examples in hiring? We've just had uh, numerous instances and I can think of one in particular where we had an engineer join us relatively junior level role but you know an important part of our technical development team. And this candidate reached out to us, our sales team actually, and just said, hey, I'm local. I'd love to have coffee with you Mm -hmm. um, and learn more about what you're doing. They ended up joining the company and were an important part of the engineering team. And then I sit down with this candidate about three or four months in when they're working for us. And the candidate disclosed to me that they had a cardiac arrhythmia and have Mm -hmm. had uh, several different procedures to Mm -hmm. treat the condition they've had devices implanted to help monitor their heart rhythm, mm-hmm. that they've had really severe cardiovascular disease mm-hmm. throughout their life. Mm-hmm. And that the sole reason that they joined was because they wanted to better understand the heart and build products to help clinicians better care for pe- patients' hearts. Right. I had no idea. Uh, it wasn't ever even brought right. up in the hiring right. process. And it was really neat. We actually used our product on the individual and were able to see the specific arrhythmia that this patient had. Wow. And our machine learning models actually picked up the, the rhythm. And so this isn't an example of your actively using your mission to hire someone, but it is a good example of how the mission is powerful in attracting people. So had you known, yeah. <laughs> you might have yeah, played, you, played the card differently. Your, your mission is active and passive. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's what you yeah. put out there and uh-huh. it forms a key part of your brand and how people perceive the company. Mm-hmm. So you don't always have to make people aware of it. They just yeah. recognize it because of what you're doing. Yeah, I think that we're in a position where there are Dozens of other faceless, to some extent, brandless or personalityless medical device companies. There's Medtronics and Boston Scientifics mm-hmm. and Johnson and Johnsons and these big, huge corporate medical device companies that mm-hmm. I think everyone thinks of. But we wanted to be an anti-medical device company in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. We wanted to have a brand that was personal and meaningful to clinicians mm-hmm. and to physicians across the board, and that the products were designed with them in mind and that the physicians felt like the product designed with Mm -hmm. them in mind. And so one of the things that we've tried to highlight with the brand is recognizing clinicians, and this is something relatively recent, but recognizing nurses, doctors, staff members who provide exceptional care to their patients Mm -hmm. and recognizing them for the, just the personal touches that they provide to their Mm -hmm. patients. 
And so that's been something that we've tried to highlight. We create user stories or we create customer stories to just emphasize the exceptional work that they do mm-hmm. because so much of the healthcare system doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. That the healthcare system for many of these clinicians feels like a conveyor belt, a factory of just yeah. patient after patient. Yeah. And it's not yeah. something that enables personal care anymore. And we see this, you know, physicians are suffering from unseen levels of burnout. We have yeah, burnout. dozens and dozens yeah. of, I mean, hundreds and thousands of patients, of people leaving the healthcare system, yeah. leaving the medical practice, leaving right. the industry because it's just so impersonal and, yeah. and challenging. Right. And, and so you're highlighting these people and their roles and their heroism, as it were. And is it just a nice thing to do or does it actually also serve your business goals? I think that it helps us be the anti-medical device company. Yeah. We're not, we're not a face. And that you can get ahead being the anti-medical device. Yeah. Company. Yeah. And you know, I, I think that most physicians don't have a huge affinity to large medical device right. companies. They're not, right. they're not known for their right. personal care for, Got it. for physicians. Let's talk about maybe the challenges of a so- social mission. What are the trade-offs or the, the challenges you might face? Yeah. You know, our, our mission as a company is to build technologies and build products to help better screen and monitor and detect uh, cardiovascular disease in patients. But one of the complexities that comes with that is deciding on which diseases to focus on. Mm -hmm. And that we found that there are diseases that affect the developing world and there are diseases that affect the developed world. Mm -hmm. And those are not the same. As a great example, there's a condition called rheumatic heart disease. Mm And rheumatic heart disease is caused by when you let rheumatic fever go on for a really long time Mm -hmm. and don't treat it with antibiotics. Mm -hmm. So rheumatic fever is like a bacterial infection in the bloodstream. It's relatively easy to treat. You just get the patient on antibiotics Mm -hmm. and they can recover quite quickly. But if you let this low-grade infection go on for weeks or months or an extended period of time without treating it, the bacteria actually starts to attack the heart valves themselves Mm -hmm. and then they start to break down because they're being attacked by this foreign invader and so in the u.s rheumatic heart disease is pretty much unheard of it's incredibly rare Mm -hmm. because we have such great access to healthcare. but in many other countries it is a significant problem and that there are you know uh, thousands or hundreds of thousands of of cases typically in children where the rheumatic fever has not been treated and it's then resulted in damage to the heart and there's a very particular sound to it. So a rheumatic fever has a sound that we can pick up with a stethoscope. We can use our AI to detect mm-hmm. that. But we've just had ch- challenges of trying to figure out how to prioritize mm-hmm. the different diseases based upon where they fall into the patient population. In other words, there may not be as much money in something, but you feel like it's the right thing to do? Yeah, or, absolutely. Yeah. And this is a complexity that extends beyond just also thinking about which diseases we want to tackle. But yeah. so much of the healthcare system is spent chasing reimbursement or chasing Mm -hmm. insurance Mm -hmm. coverage. Mm -hmm. And in many situations, what's best for patient care is not the same thing as what's going to be reimbursed by insurance companies or what's going to be reimbursed by Medicare and Medicaid. So it's the push and pull of trying to figure out how to build a sustainable business and yet do the right thing in terms of optimizing for patient care. And so what did you decide in this case? Are you, are you prioritizing this, this functionality? We are, yeah. yeah. So rheumatic heart disease has been a really important disease that we want to train our model uh-huh, to detect. Uh-huh. You know, the majority of our customers are in the U.S., but we want it to be an important mm-hmm. part of the pipeline so that it can have bigger impact elsewhere. Yeah. As one of your shareholders, I'm on board with that. <laughs> and I also think that over time, if you market 
this well, you can actually make up where you think it's not as big of an economic opportunity by pointing out that you're a good company doing good things. Yep. All right. So let's just say a bit about Echo and where you are today and what you're looking forward to. Yeah. We have two FDA cleared products in the US. We're working on a few more regulatory clearances for some of the AI and algorithm technology. We now have tens of thousands of devices in the field used by physicians at more than 2,000 hospitals and clinics in the US and Europe. We've collected the largest training data set of heart sounds, lung sounds, and combined ECG data in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's been really powerful in helping us just improve the accuracy of our models. And then we're now working with a, a couple of really exciting customers on providing home monitoring for cardiovascular disease. Which is a whole big new thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being able to provide really consistent data capture and high quality cardiac output measurement while the patient is not in the hospital and then allowing the physician to see that data. And the goal for us is that we can close that loop between patients who have really chronic cardiovascular diseases and their clinicians and care team. And that they can then personalize their treatments based upon that. You know, we can, the vision for us is we can usher in an era of personalized cardiovascular medicine that's provided by up-to-date uh, real-time data from the patients. Wow, that's powerful. So before we close out here, maybe say a bit about your personal mission. If you were to say what that is, you're on a mission to what? Mission to bring more data to heart disease. You know, heart disease has such a lack of good data. We know more about our blood sugar level than we do about our heart function. Diabetes has so much data that we can use to help dose insulin and keep those patients healthy. But in some cases, we're still using the bathroom scale to monitor heart failure patients. There's just so many opportunities. Okay. And did you want to comment on uh, the financing round? Yeah, we've raised a $20 million Series B from a wonderful group of both strategic healthcare providers and healthcare systems, including the Mayo Clinic, who's been a close collaborator of ours, as well as New York Presbyterian, and then some well-known venture funds in the Bay Area, including Artist Ventures, DigiTX Ventures, and some strategic medical device companies. All right, that's phenomenal. It's hard to even imagine, given where we started with you. I think at the time... We couldn't have imagined this happening. And that's really, really special. Way to go, man. You guys believed in us and that was yeah. important. Connor Langraf on a mission to bring more data to heart disease. Thanks, Connor, for coming in. Thanks, Rick. Mission Driven is hosted by Better Ventures, Seed Stage Fund in Oakland, California, focusing on backing entrepreneurs using technology to build a better world. You can find us on the web at better.vc and on Twitter at Better Ventures. Better Ventures.